This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to what may or may not actually be a Line Dance Podcast episode. Megan and I are on our way to Stoney's Rock and Rodeo, and we and we are listening to the lovely melodic voice of her GPS, which is which is also now being shut down. Coincidentally, completely unrelatedly. <laughs> Anyhow, um, we were discussing the concept of act as if and how that is used for people who are trying to become more confident or uh, trying to get themselves started down a path that they want to be on. They act as if they are good enough to do that thing. And, and now everyone else knows how to get to Sony's too. <laughs> they act as if they are good enough to do what they imagine they want to do. Uh, they start behaving in the manners of the people who are already successful at it. And then eventually their mind authentically catches up and they become what it is that they were acting like they were. So this led me, as I struggled very hard against uh, some mental blocks with choreography last night on first draft Friday, patent pending, um, I I wondered what. Well, there's uh, there's one question: What would this be like if it were easy? Uh, what would choreography feel like? if I weren't stressing out about it and if I were somebody to whom it came more naturally and I didn't second guess myself before anything ever made it onto paper um, what would that be like? What would that process be like where it felt easy and it felt like something I I knew I could get through and um, at the end of it you know, it would feel like I, I had put together something that I would enjoy doing and maybe others would as well that was part of it. And then with the act as if component, how would that how would that apply also to instruction? Uh, I was watching a video recently of Madison Glover very uh, masterfully handling a lesson that she was teaching for dozens and dozens of people uh, at some event. And I thought she is talking and moving as if she has this down, like beyond down. And you can hear that in a lot of the big instructors' voices as well. Um, just like the way they'll say certain things um, so completely confidently. Like they've done this dance a million times. They could do it in their sleep. Um, they know what a person might get confused on so they can like, they can cue them uh, before it ever gets to that point. Like they do certain things that, that, are just as helpful for one person as like a stadium of people if they had to teach that many. So then I started to think, um, if I had to act as if I were some instructor able to teach thousands of people, um, what would that entail? How would I behave? Um, how would I dress and carry myself? What kinds of things would I say? Or what would I infuse into the lesson, like humor? Um, so yeah, if, if you had to act as if you were... Um, a master instructor and a master choreographer and maybe an event manager or a venue owner 
that wanted to tell everybody this is something you should experience or this is a place you should see before you die and totally mean it, how would they back that up? How could, how could some of us who are trying to um, explore different paths down the line dance forest, uh, how would we act as if the, the paragon uh, uh, of, of that field were possible? Okay. That was a lot of information real quick. Oh, um, yeah. A lot of backstory. <laughs> uh, so, some of the things that came to mind while you were mentioning some of the stuff that you were thinking of and going through um, were a couple different phrases that I have grown up with or discovered along the way and personally tried to implement myself, which um, it's, it's the same along the lines of just rewording the act as if. It's the... For when you don't know something, pretend you do. Mm, fake it till you make it. Yeah, that that whole concept of like when, um, sorry, when um, you are asked a question and you don't necessarily know the answer, um, when it's an opinion based, that's where you can kind of fake it till you make it. Obviously, if you're asked a question that's more factual, you should research and find out the answer but but it's that idea of like well how do you feel about this and considering that this is a opinion based question that's where it's like okay now I need to kind of figure out because I don't know I don't know what it would be like if it was easy so I have to figure out in a what if scenario how it would be Um, another thing is practice makes perfect Oh, yes. I was That's thinking true. about it as you were mentioning how Madison just effortlessly seems to be able to do this. Well, one, you know, it, it's, she's not necessarily teaching a new dance every single time. That's true. She is teaching dances that she's familiar with. And I'm assuming being the professional she is and caring the way she does with the little bit of interactions I've had with her, she probably does practice and ask other instructors okay, you know, I've had a class that was struggling with this move. What are some other ways that I might be able to help explain it? So with that, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you got to give yourself a little bit of a break because you're still new. You're, you're developing those skills. And basically, I totally lost some train of thought on the last one. Um, cause it was so much information. <laughs> um, <laughs> going back to those, when I'm thinking about it, I choreography, cause obviously that is something I am just now starting to dabble in along with instruction. It's not something that I'm familiar with other than taking lessons. So I start looking at, okay, well, what are my mental blocks? Why isn't this easy for me? And a lot of that has to do with, well, I want to know that how I'm explaining something is the correct terminology. Yes. How I'm describing the steps are accurate to the step sheet. How coming up with the steps flow in a way that you're not like moving your body forward, then all of a sudden you're expect to go left. Um, and so there's a certain, uh, 
unfamiliar ground that makes me hesitant when I'm doing this. But if you're looking at the first draft Friday that you were going in, um, and you were originally telling me how like you'd find a song and then like you'd listen to halfway through the song and be like, oh crap, there's text. No, that's, that's not going to work. Or, oh, and then you get through another song and it like, it changes tempo and it'd just be different. And you're like, oh, too much, too much, too much pressure, too much pressure. Yeah, for 15 minutes left in the day. <laughs> you know, one, starting earlier would be helpful. <laughs> not putting it off. Um, that's a mental block. Yeah. Even when there are four hours left in the day. And you're starting to kind of do it like, oh, I'll come back to this later. Maybe it'll feel more natural later. It, and and give, your, <sighs> give yourself a small time limit. Like, I know... Like I, all of Friday? <laughs> like, I, I used to, when doing... Trying to learn a dance, for instance. And there's this one part that I just can't seem to grasp. And I'm starting to feel defeated. I'm starting to feel frustrated. I'll do one of two things. Either A, I'll turn it off and do a dance that I know inside and out to you know, kind of bring me back to that center and to that positive and the yeah I got this or I'll be like okay I'm giving myself 15 minutes to walk away grab something to drink focus on something else browse social media read a book do something other than focus on that but I only gave myself the 15 minutes so that it's like okay it's up time time to go and see you if it feels natural or if you've got it or, you know, and, and kind of do it that way where it's, you're holding yourself more accountable. It's like the Pomodoro technique, which I, I don't remember the exact ratio of, but I think it might be like 20 minutes of hard focused work, five minutes of give your brain a break, then, then back to 20 minutes hard focused work. You can just alternate until it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, something like that. The other thing is, um, for now, because we are building the habits and getting used to the tools the first draft doesn't have to be perfect that's why it's a first draft that's the whole point of a draft is you can go back and edit it and change it and you know make things different or smoother or reword it or whatever it is and so whether you just picked the very first song that showed up on your player and you came up with a you know eight counts that's your first draft that's your start you've gotten that that accomplishment done as like you like to um use the quote i believe you said it was from tim ferris is the stack the game in your favor oh yeah rig the game a rig uh, your game in your favor yeah so that you can win or something like that yeah so if you look at it more as like all you have to do is come up with eight counts for any song and that's your challenge that's going to give you such a variety of different songs to work with um, that it doesn't even necessarily have to be this huge project. It's just getting you in the habit of, okay, I hear this beat. I hear these so many lyrics. Here's my first eight counts. Even eight is honestly kind of scary when, like, it's a really big... If it's, like, the chorus and you're like, I... I I really want this part to hit, and then like I don't want it to be 64 counts. I'd rather just do 32 for verse and chorus. And then you think, oh god, now I have to like look back and see does this eight count hit here as well as the verse? But then when you mentioned the Tim Paris thing, like um, I was thinking about that earlier today. I was talking with my uh, family. I was visiting family during the day, and um, we were talking about like habits and positive habits and things like that. And one one example of 
like rigging the game in your favor or rigging the game such that you can win it would be like if you're trying to start flossing flossing does not take that long it's like two minutes maybe um, and that's even doing like proper technique and everything uh, if your goal is to floss between two teeth that is like one one little slit of space in your mouth like that is all you're supposed to do for all of the flossing that you have intended to do that that evening then yeah you could you could wrap the the string around your fingers do that one motion or maybe two if you're going above you know each each of the two teeth up into your gums like and that's it we're like well that's ridiculous I here I am I just got all set to do this one thing I'm gonna do another tooth and then you do another one and then before you know it it's done because just the thought of flossing one space between your teeth is so so just ridiculous yeah it's absurd <laughs> like why would you why would you take all the time to to do that one little bit so yeah if you if you look at it like I need to get one count of this dance is it forward is it back like if that's all you have to do well then after that one step you're probably going to feel like taking another step back or maybe if it's stepping forward maybe you feel like rocking back now you have two counts eight counts for me like i said still a lot still still kind of daunting if it's a song you really like and you really don't want to mess it up and you don't you don't want it the other challenge here is that i imprint if i do the first eight and i don't like it but then i keep thinking well that's the first eight then i never change it because yeah that's that's a a problem with line dance is that like whatever you learned first becomes the thing for you at least in my in my experience i'm I'm a little bit opposite Mm. of that um especially working with jono and on one of his particular dances he's been so generous in showing me what he's his workings of this particular dance that he's working on um and asking me to try learning them and i've learned so many different counts for this particular dance in so many different orders that I, I mean it's one of those where I don't I can't even remember what the original dance looked like because I've learned so many different okay we'll try this one instead of this one we'll try this count instead of this count try this movement instead of that movement and he's gotten to a point where he really likes what what's going on and so for me I look at it like if it is a draft the whole point is just to build the habit. So I would almost even be inclined to just go to nothing of any of the songs that I want to choreograph something to if I'm trying to just build the habit, but maybe buy get just a random like top 20s playlist and pick the very first song, whether I've heard it or not before, whether I even like the song, maybe just form an eight count to it. And if that's all I have to do for that day, then if I like it, then great. If I don't, then whatever. There's no real attachment to the song. Um, you know, and, and that just kind of just gets you used to even the different tempos or different um, style of dances. You know, like, because if you're doing, like, top 100 of all time, uh, you're going to have all different genres of music, too. Um it's going to get you in the habit of breaking down the song and listening to it. And that could be your, are you going to go more of a, just as bad as it sounds, just throw some steps together just to kind of get that flow. 
or are you really going to focus on how it hits? And I feel like it's not necessarily recommended, like you put out a dance this way, but I feel like throwing some steps together in the beginning, early stages of learning how to put a dance together might not be such a bad thing in the sense of like, you'll figure out how things work that way and how they flow and what steps can go into another step. And then all of a sudden you're taking your knowledge from all of the different movements that you've done throughout your line dance history and really feeling those movements so that once you've kind of gotten that flow of like, oh, well, you know, this step can go into that step and this step can go into that step. Then it becomes a chance for it's like, okay, well, what about the music? How do I really want this to hit now that I know that like steps can be thrown together and it's actually maybe not as complicated as my brain, my perfectionist, you know, OCD brain has convinced myself it is. But since I know that like this song hits right here in a way that would be really funky, maybe I can do something like this. Or, you know, if it's really, really smooth, maybe I want to glide here or like do like some type of slide movement or something to that extent because you've played with so many different combinations up to this point with no attachment. I think that is uh, one thing that I have not done because I... Oh, well, I was going to give a reason, but no. Uh, that's one thing I haven't done because I have all these excuses why I haven't done it. Uh, <laughs> it's it's do more playing on my feet with these songs in a space. And it, it comes a little bit from, like, not wanting to imprint on any one given motion. Yes. Um, I don't have a lot of spaces that feel conducive to this currently. Um at the place I was living previously, uh, there was a kitchen that I would use. Um, this this current residence has uh, kind of a textured floor in the kitchen, so it doesn't really slide as much. Uh, there is the garage, but really, honestly, like um, if it's if it's something that I if I decided okay, I really need to do this, and that's the best way to do it, I'd probably be okay with just going out into a parking lot. And using whatever big space there is there, you know, if there's a like a truck spot or whatever. Anyhow, um, yeah, doing different combinations. One one of the things that uh, that I thought might be useful in helping to break the attachment to any first draft I might have for a dance is forcing myself to do at least three and. It doesn't matter how much I like the first one. I might even think I'm done when I've created the first one. I need to do a second one. It has to hit the same spots, but I have to do it differently. And then after I think, okay, well now I got, I really got it right this time. I don't know what I was thinking with that first one. Then I have to do a third one just to confuse myself further and then hit spots, do it differently, have it not look the same. Maybe this one's four walls, the one, one of them's two walls, one of them's one wall, and they have to be different. And then only then can I start looking at, you know, the, taking the best from each yeah. and seeing what really should go into the, the final draft. The other thing that uh, 
that you mentioned, like throwing together steps just just to get things moving. Uh, that was also the concept behind my automated choreography kit, uh, which has a whole bunch of basic steps uh, snipped down into like one or two beat um, components, and you just kind of throw them all together into a grid of, so that they add up to 32 counts and you test it out you just do whatever that mess of steps which doesn't specify left or right you have to figure out where your weight is um, you, you do whatever those steps say and that is until somebody says anything differently until further notice that is the dance if you do it and it doesn't feel right well good fix it it's through the process of fixing this uncomfortable, unintentional dance that you will eventually finesse it into being something that you do like. And then that could become the final draft. Yeah. And that's what I mean, and that's what I'm talking about. It's like, now I don't recommend publishing dances this way by right. any means because, you know, I... I'm not really fond of the idea of the let's just puzzle piece this together just because I have a bunch of steps that I, I know. Right. Um, that came up recently with Shape of You where, like last year with Can't Stop the Feeling, Shape of You was just released by Ed Sheeran and I w there was a comment thread on Facebook where people were talking about um, how they, they, they hoped that somebody with a good sense of musicology would create a dance for this song because it would be a waste if it was just a bunch of stitched together steps and sometimes it can feel that way like looking on the charts or, or you know, searching what's been posted to Copper Knob it'll almost look like a race who can be the first to it really does yeah to, to put something up to this amazing song right or, because yeah. everyone's gonna want to do some kind of dance to it so if they see yours first maybe they'll pick yours and yours will become the dance whereas other people uh, they will hold back a little longer and wait until it's really done done before yeah. they release theirs. And there's that risk. Do you wait too long such that everybody has already latched on to the one they want? Or do you not wait long enough and come up with something that really does just look slapped together and random and something that you created previously uh, or in five minutes and you just decided, eh, I mean, it, it's awkward, it's clunky, but you know what? It kind of fits to the song, I guess. So, people can do it. They'll just have to deal with it. Yeah. Um, I know in speaking with Kat a couple different times about different things, um, we had discussed um, learning multiple dances to the same song so that you can break your habit of imprinting. Mm -hmm. um, because if you have multiple dances in your head for that same exact song, one... There's a variety, because not everybody's going to do the same version, of course. Um, and then you really can pick which one you like. But with that said as well, it also breaks you of that habit of hearing a song and just automatically going into one set of movements um, that may not fit the best, may not hit the way you like it. And... It's you know a good habit, and she was telling me that it would uh, it would help me in the sense of being a better dancer because I'm more versed. I understand more steps this way, and then 
in that way I can then adjust how I hear music because if I can see in this same spot four different eight counts then I really know how to appropriately put together something that flows well when I start choreographing um and so with that it's it's definitely one of those things are stop the hardest part is stop putting all the pressure and expectations that it's going to be something amazing your first try or that it even needs to be because that's kind of the point of your whole exercise is to get it so that it is something that's just second nature. You hear a song and you can just start doing a bunch of movements to yeah, it. Like Jono. Like Jono. In wine, at Wine Country Lion Dance. Yeah. Which, so not fair. <laughs> would you like to describe? I wasn't there for it, but I, it sounds like... I don't, I don't even... I don't remember what song it was. I don't remember what dance it was. But we had both, like, attempted to learn it or follow it or something to that extent. And there was just a couple movements that we were just not in love with at all. Like, it just... It felt like there should be some, like, triple syncopation type movement somewhere. And, like, turning the other direction as opposed to the way that it was choreographed. And, like, so both of us were like, okay, you know what? Instead of, like, forcing ourselves through this and, you know, not necessarily enjoying it the whole time we're dancing it, we kind of, like, stuck off the floor a little bit. I sat down and he immediately just starts playing with it and came up with something that actually looked really, really cool. And I was just like, that's just not fair that he could just do that so easily. And then I had to remind myself, well, he's probably been doing this for a while now. You've never really given yourself the permission to explore what this feels like. And that's where it comes down to. You have to give yourself that permission. It's okay to come up with something and it not work. Change it. You know, fix it. That's part of the learning process. That's part of the creative process. That's, I mean, I do that with my writing. When I write and I, I go back, you know, like, I don't know, a month or two later and I reread it and I go, oh, what was I? No, that, that's wrong. That is not what I was trying to say at all. You know, and I'll change the wording. Well, it's kind of the same thing with choreographing a dance in the sense of like go through it and if you don't like it then fix where the spots that don't work are or even you know at that point if you're fortunate enough to throw together some type of complete draft send it out see if it works go back to it um unless I mean if you're if you're doing it to songs that you're not like so amazingly attached to it frees you up from that, like, expectation of this having to be good. Mm-hmm. This having to be right and perfect for this song. If you're just trying to build the habits. Mm-hmm. So, that's one of those where I, I would like to believe that if I wanted to start acting as if, that's what I would start implementing. So, um, should be interesting considering just two days ago I found my song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, we'll, we'll see what happens when I have some time to actually, okay, 
let's do this. Mm-hmm. I guess if I imagine myself like in some workshop, you know, with a dance floor and closed doors, nobody can see, nobody can hear what I'm doing. And if I were to just act as if, if I were to just stand up and pretend I were somebody who kind of knew what they were doing and like, you know, could go through the, the music and then be done by the end of the song and think, yeah, yeah, that felt pretty good. I guess I'll do that. They'd probably just start moving because I've, I've been hearing that in a lot of the interviews is you know, like the songs on repeat. Like I think Rachel mentioned something like that. Uh, the song is on repeat wherever they are and they'll move to it to see what works, what feels good. And I guess there's that uh, concept of getting out of your own way, just kind of like turning off your left brain or your critical self and doing whatever happens. And like what you were saying, you, you can go back through and if, if you don't like something, you can change it. You can even do that in real time where if you've already phrased it out, you know it's going to be 32 counts or, or whatever, you know, 48 counts uh, repetition before it cycles back around, you can try something and then think, oh, hmm, well, not quite. But then 32 counts later, try you it. try it again slightly differently. Like yeah. you know where you want to do something differently, but in a specific place. So let's say, okay, the music starts, you're out there, you're moving, you're thinking, bum, 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 oh, that felt good, I'll keep that. And then you try you know, the next few counts, and those don't work out so well, so you kind of fumble through them. You get to the next part, you hit a, like, ba ba da ba and then it circles back around, you hit the ba 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 that you liked. You try something again with that middle part, but it doesn't quite stick, and then you hit that ba ba da ba again after that. And I guess you just keep zeroing in on the trouble spot. And if you don't, if you don't, if you don't find a solution to how to bridge those parts that you liked, you start the song over and do it again. Uh, I guess you could take a technical look at it and see what what's going on with my weight here. Why why am I not ending where I want to be? And you start looking at the the whole counts and the and counts. Um, you can listen to the lyrics and wherever your body wasn't finding something, maybe your left brain can now jump in and say, okay, well, if nothing felt right, nothing felt natural, let's just make something happen here. Maybe this can be where we throw in the hook and do like some kind of hand motion or whatever. Something interactive, some kind of stomp or clap or whatever. Um, I remember this is one one of the questions I've asked people in podcast interviews as well. How do you know when you're done? That's another... That's another tricky thing. Like, if I were acting as if I knew that at the end of my session I would have a complete dance, I guess it's just a matter of filling in all the gaps. Like, one thing that I've done with you know, previous dances, released or unreleased, uh, is finding the spots that I really feel something needs to happen during and then building around them and just bridging the gaps between them which can sometimes just be with transitional steps. Like, uh, there, there were interviews where people have said, you, you know, you have to give people a breather. Uh, sometimes yeah. there's a big thing that people get really excited to do, and then when they do that, they need to cool down for about six counts or however many before the next big thing happens or the signature thing happens. And if it's all signatures, if it's all calisthenics, then you never get to breathe, and it's just not that fun. It should be fun, but it for some reason isn't because it feels like work yeah so then I guess maybe you could even yeah you could just get more comfortable with the idea of transitional steps one of my 
mental blocks is feeling like if I'm putting stuff together, it feels like the whole thing is transitional steps and it's all unoriginal coasters and shuffles and walks that people have done before. They're just rearranged in another order and they're set to this song arbitrarily. Uh, and some of that might come from like if you, if you don't have you know one or two hooks in there that separate it, then yeah, it can just feel like a whole bunch of transitions. So then maybe that would be an aspect of like acting as if also. It's just like, there's something that Andrea Mulbauer says in uh, her podcast, Dance Like Everyone's Watching, how every piece that you create should be purposeful. It should tell some kind of story. There should be some reason why you're creating what you're creating. And if you don't have that, then it's just moving and rolling around on the floor in costumes for its own sake. And that's weird. Nobody really gets much when they show up to see that and pay, pay for a ticket. If you don't know what you're trying to communicate, they won't know either. Yeah. And maybe they'll interpret something out of it, but eh, it'll be a lot more effective and impactful if you know what you're trying to, to, to send home for them. So I guess that would be one good place to start. You walk into the studio, you think, here's the song, here's what the, the song is trying to say, so here are at least one or two ways I intend to express that with motion, with my body. So then you have those two big core concepts, big things that you want to hit, and then you have rhythmic hits that are unique in some way, and then you have transitional steps in between the everything else, and then just kind of polishing it for flow and smoothness so that maybe if you need more time to do a turn, you turn it into a three-quarter turn, not a, not a half turn or something. Then it's just a matter of degree. It's doing whatever you were already doing, but doing it as a stomp here, or maybe it just needs to be a toe touch here. And figuring out what feels the best once you already have a bullet-pointed skeleton of like what should be more or less in there. Yeah, I mean, and I was thinking for you specifically, since you have this exercise of the every Friday having something completed or whatever, um, maybe it's that the Friday um, you find the song and then by the next Friday you have your first draft well then that Friday you find a new song so that it gives you a week to kind of work on it as opposed to having to find the song and having to work on something and like kind of build it up and it puts so much more pressure you're breaking it down into littler pieces so that you have more time to work on it and go back and like adjust as needed if it's something that you're actually like starting to really like and you want to like keep going with it um that still gives you time to really play with it too so something to consider because I feel like part of the block is the deadline because there's that added pressure of you have to have something completed but if you don't have the deadline then when you're never going to start so it's a little bit of a catch-22 there and so if you set it up again where you have the song on Friday and by next Friday you have done something with that song whether it's simply breaking it down whether it's your first eight counts whether it's um coming up with 
the tag even like just something uh, that allows you to have that draft going and then I mean I don't know what rules you set up for yourself but then either A that Friday starting something completely new finding a new song or if you consider having your first draft Friday be like okay well the first draft is breaking down the steps and then so there's that first draft. Then your next Friday, the next first draft is coming up with the eight count. And then the next first draft is coming up with your first, you know, 32 counts or something to that extent. Um, I don't know what technical expectations you've really set for yourself, but that might be something else to clearly define as well to give yourself a little bit more understanding of what you're really trying to accomplish. Um, because the other thing is, I would like to think that these choreographers, when they hear a song and they come up with something to that song, it's because of the attachment to the song. It's because they feel like this song needs to have this dance. And that's why they put so much time and energy that they have into it. And that's why it works the way it does is because of the fact that their goal is to have something to that particular song. Problem is, we don't have that experience of just hearing that song and coming up with something and liking it and it working and yeah. it going. So we have to find different tools and different methods to experiment to find out what does work and what doesn't work. Um, just like... I have broken down the song that I like, that I found a couple days ago, and I want to send it to a couple people and be like, okay, all I want from you, I just want you to break it down because I want to hear what you hear. I want to see if we hear the same things or if you, where I hear 32 counts, you hear a phrase dance or something like that so that it broadens my mind so when they tell me that it's different, I can start listening to that song and seeing what they hear so that it allows me to adjust okay well my initial hearing was this but you know you heard this okay where is he hearing that versus um you know cat what is she hearing and just kind of getting an idea of playing with it that way um because of the fact that i i've never done this before so there's not exactly a clear, concise, instructional step-by-step, this is what this sounds like, this is what this does, this is what this does, this is how you put these steps here. There's that. That's the whole point of choreography for me is it's a self-expression. So each individual person is going to hear and feel something different. Um, with that said, I want to see other people's process so that I can find out what they do that works for them that maybe I might learn that, oh, this little trick that you use really works for me too or this little trick that Kat uses really, really works. So I'm going to start, you know, using that because that just makes my life easier. You know, instead of reinventing the wheel, find out what already works and just seeing if it works for me or not because I'm at a, a moldable state in which... I can figure out that little adapting 
that maybe allows me to see things a little bit easier for someone who is a little bit more experienced. Um, and then getting feedback. That's going to be the biggest thing. I know that for a fact that uh, when I throw something together, and I'm, I'm just saying throw something together, you know, I want to be able to go to somebody I trust to give me honest criticism that isn't unnecessarily harsh. Mm-hmm. Like, and just be like, hey, you know, I really like that, but I'm not really sure it fits there or, you know, like the, the, the shifting of the body feels a little off here or instead of doing, you know, walk, walk, have you turned, thought about putting a turn there or something to that extent. Mm-hmm. I want that feedback because again, I'm so new that it would be interesting to see what people do because the other option is if I'm attached to that walk, walk, but somebody brought up that it could be a turn there, I could put that as a styling option. True. So it gives a little bit more variety to what I've already intended um, to whether making it an easier dance or a more challenging dance or a flashier dance or however you want to word it. Um, As well as I know how much I like being involved in that process for other people. I know how much I enjoy being able to be like, well, I'm having a little trouble right here with the weight. And then them being like, okay, well, yeah, no, I can see, I can see that. And let me, let me play with it. Or, oh, well, it's over three counts instead of your, what you're used to, which is the one and two or something like that. Um, and I go, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. So if I do them, <laughs> you know, the whole count as opposed to the syncopation or something that, that the rest of the dance has that makes six explanation or something to that extent because then I feel like I've done something for somebody else even if it's just a matter of learning their dance and telling them I love it or it's not my favorite you know um, so that's where I think I'm going to be when I feel like it's complete is when I feel like, okay, it's time for, like, I think I've, I think I've pretty much got it. Like, it feels good to me. It works for me. Let's see what other people have to say and getting that feedback. And depending on that feedback and whether I implement um, what they've suggested or not is where I will know if my dance is complete. There's a quote that I, I might have mentioned at some point previously that, that reminds me of. Um, like the trouble with people is that they would rather be ruined by praise than saved by criticism. And when you open yourself up to hearing more seasoned vets' honest opinions and ways that the finished product might be improved with some tweaks, um, it, it doesn't necessarily feel good at first if you're not used to it. I think I screwed up now they're going to judge me they know that I don't know what I'm doing oh my mask is worn off but then after you make the fix and it works better then whoever it was that you were afraid of being seen as before doesn't exist anymore now there's this new improved version of you that's taken that person's place the person who listens to outside opinions and is humble enough to recognize where your knowledge might have been incomplete and also um, the person who isn't afraid 
that their friend who helped them isn't going to like them anymore because, you know, they're so beneath, oh, you, I can't believe you would waste my time asking me for help. Now, I'll give you this help, but we'll never speak again. <laughs> like, the worst never comes. Like, that's just yeah. not how things tend to happen, particularly in the line dance world. Exactly. And when you mentioned about um, how there isn't one way to do things necessarily, like there are other, what somebody else might hear things differently, like it might be a phrase thing to you, it might be a 32 count thing, that would be a really good example of um, how having different, having doing it three different ways and then combining them or something like that, um, that, that can be done, I think we might have uh, discussed this off, off record as well, uh, that can be done with some structure to it so that like if you're trying to imagine how would Jono do this dance like what are some things he would put in there oh okay so let's get a at front least sweep. a front I sweep I mean um exactly. <laughs> uh, maybe like some nice little hip things and, uh, and then you know how would Trevor Thornton do this and like put a couple like heel swivels or you know uh, Guyton hand motions Roy like isolations like trying to think about how different people would take that same song and do it in a way that anyone can say, oh, that's that's guy, he, he must have put that together. Uh, once you have all those, you know, for better or worse, once you have all those drafts for each of their styles completed, you can start cherry-picking and selecting, like, this, this works really well for the dance itself, not just, you know, uh, because this or that person would have done this. Like, no, like, this is what I think is the most appropriate of those options for this four count. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and um, speaking with Brenda last night, um, God, my life is so blessed. Uh, I had asked her, and she so graciously was even excited at the idea of me seeking her opinion once I've come up with some stuff um, and her feedback. And I was telling her how when I had first heard this song, not only did I love it, but the two choreographers that came to mind in listening to it was her and Joe. I remember that, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I could see both of them doing something to this dance. Mm -hmm. And because I respect them and I admire them as much as I do, it's probably part of the influence of as to why I want to do something to this dance as well. Is because I enjoy their dances so much that it's like, I want to do something fun like them. And so having their feedback for me, it would be like, I mean, through the roof, kind of amazing because I hold them in such high esteem. And I'm, yes, I'm nervous because it is my first time. And yes, I'm nervous because I want them to like what I put together. But I'm really excited about the fact that they are going to see something that I don't. Mm -hmm. And be like, hey, have you thought about this? And that's where I'm going to be like, yes, that's going to be awesome. Or, you know, and I'll try it. And whether I like it or not is totally up to the moment. But it's something that because I trust them and I've built a kind of relationship with Brenda that I feel like I can come to her for guidance that I'm really excited about getting her feedback um, 
I plan on speaking with Kat tonight as well and asking if she wouldn't mind uh, because I do respect how focused on the body and safety of the dancers she is. Um, I mean, first of all, I think she's absolutely beautiful when she dances. Yeah, and for real. And secondly, you know, she's just got the knowledge and the technique and the training that I can only benefit from. And so if I add Kat along with Brenda and if Joe even remotely considers a possibility once I see her in Palm Springs of giving me feedback, I mean, I could not ask for three better people to get feedback from. And that's where it came down to me where it's like, yeah, they hold a huge spot in my eyes and I want to make them proud so the best thing I can do is go to them for that criticism and that critiquing and getting back from them what they may see that I don't that's how I'm going to learn and when I start realizing that that's not an attack on me or that I did it wrong that's where I get to act as if I know what I'm doing because I don't know what I'm doing. I have no clue. Mm -hmm. I have an idea, so I'm going to run with it. And that's the whole point of like pretending like you do know. And then when you think you figured it out, asking someone else. Mm -hmm. And yes, there is a certain expectation that I've now put on myself because I admire these women as much as I do, but at the same time, I also know these women and they know that I'm new. They know that I'm new, so they have a potential of really helping me and molding me in a way that we can both benefit from. Because not only do I get to learn from their years and, you know, decades for some of them, um, worth of experience that I was kind of mentioning earlier with Madison. I'm sure she goes when she's having trouble spots to the people she trusts for feedback. Um, cause I would like to assume that she's human, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, so that's one of those things that I would like to think that that's what they do, so that's what I'm going to do. Which is where that act as if you know, well, if I assume that the professionals do this, then why wouldn't I implement that as well? Why wouldn't I mimic or copy that what works? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was kind of driving me nuts when I saw uh, the video of Madison, which I think was Frankie Fever, um, seen the movements that were so completely like unseen before like the arm the, the stand up wooden yeah. leg arm thing uh, but then also seen like you know a shuffle half turn shuffle like things that make so much sense there that if I were to put that in one of mine I would think oh transitional step looks generic but like for hers for whatever reason, like anything could have gone in there, but she picked like just the right, what seemed like just the right thing to go in to that slot in between, you know, big moments of the dance. 
And to have that knack, it made me like want to find out, is there a formula? Like, is there something that works? Like I, like I almost want to go into the, the big dances of you know, history and count how many signature spots are there, how many counts are there between that and the next one, um, how many, uh, how many times do they use, you know, a shuffle at, like, I, the dance, I don't want this night to end for Mavericks. Yeah. That is so many coaster steps. It like, really is. It's, al- it, it's almost like the dance is a whole bunch of coaster and sailor steps. It feels fine, but like, I think that's just because triples feel, feel good in the slots where they were dropped in. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, that is a very clear case of like, um, the, the same kind of transition being used several times as opposed to um, are there other dances where they only do one kind of triple for each slot where there's a triple? Is it like a coaster this time, a shuffle that time, a sailor that time? Um, are there other ones where they do it twice to set up a pattern and then they break it slightly on the third one so that it's like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Like that's different. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I would want to go in kind of academically and see, is there generally a, a working formula for the right amount of like signature and then hitting and, and transition yeah. and anything else that I might be missing? Like, are there other, are there other things where, uh, like work from home? Like, are there some dances that are more appropriate than others for the, the four count do what you feel for this part? Like, should that go into all of them, or is that only, you know, um, necessary when you get beyond, like, 64 counts of really intense (laughs) learning and and breaking your brain? You know, when when is the right uh, kind of dance to do that? I'd I'd be intrigued to see if there was some type of formula, Mm -hmm. but I feel at the same time, like, because dance is such a expression Mm -hmm. for me that... I don't even know if there would be Mm. because I mean, yeah, there's only so many ways you can move the body, but as I've come to learn, there's a whole lot more ways out there that I'm not familiar with, such as the isolation and the tutting. Mm. And I mean, work from home was kind of like my first big experience with the, here's a couple, you know, uh, very easy, actual footwork but now we're going to get really complicated and throw in hands, mm-hmm. you know, and not just, oh, we're going to throw in a couple hands. No, we're going to have a whole section where 90% of it is your hands. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you look at the footwork during that, there's only a few key spots where it's an interesting foot movement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's where it's like, okay... So they flared that up by using the hands. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, two years ago, that hands were not what I was using. They went in your pockets or on your belt loops. Mm-hmm. You oh, know? yeah, on the, the dance team. That's what I. That's where your hands go. So now I'm at that level where um, I'm kind of in that mix between um, getting used to using my hands as well as one of the things that Joe had mentioned during one of her um, technique workshops, which I absolutely loved and just it resonated with me, was dancing with the space around you. Mm-hmm. Like, and so I'm really trying to like incorporate both of those at the same time into my learning, 
of how to be a more experienced dancer and a more complete dancer because dance is such an identity for me and it's such a way for me to represent how I'm feeling and what I want to accomplish and what I want to portray that having that complete experience is so important to me. So by looking at putting together dances, if I'm looking at this as the, okay, I want to do more than just throw steps together. I want this to move people the way it moves me. How do I accomplish that? Well, first and foremost, I got to get off my butt. Yeah. That's going to be the, that's the first step. Okay. So once I've done that, that's the first block on. What's the next block? Okay. How attached to the song am I? Am I okay that if I don't necessarily get this right first try, that that's I'm gonna forgive myself? I forgive myself that when I'm learning. Why would I? For, why wouldn't I forgive myself as I'm learning to choreograph? What's the difference? So, starting to look at what blocks me, and in so many ways convincing myself that it's an obsolete hurdle that like really it's not even there it's it's just imagined that's going to be the acting as if and I know that there's from listening to the interviews that you've done with people I know that even these people that I admire so much that have come up with so many amazing dances have gone through their duds they've gone through their lows they've gone through the yeah I did that dance oops Whatever. Look at all these other ones I've done. (laughs) You know? That was a learning experience for me. So, it's cool. We all have them. You know, it's that taking that next step that I've learned as a dancer to forgive myself of my mistakes is going to relieve a lot of pressure when I'm now choreographing. Which then, in turn, I know the one time that I covered a lesson for you, I spent 12 hours figuring out how to explain a 16 count dance that was practice for me I was really excited to do that and I was really dedicated so when I find a you know 32 count dance I'm going to practice that one too I'm going to practice how to explain it and as I'm practicing how to explain these dances that is where it's going to become a second nature to me so that it works Um, I know from all of the lessons that you have taught that I have been either a a part of or witness to or filming of some sort people respond so well to you and how much fun you have up there so that's one of those things and I was thinking about it I was like Madison makes jokes Mm -hmm. so does Rachel Joe makes jokes Guyton Guyton makes jokes Rebecca makes jokes Roy They like to give people that relief that it's okay to look silly. And that's because we've set them up in this view that, well, if they do it, then I guess it's okay if I do it. That's that mass thinking that, well, if they're messing up, I guess it makes sense that I would mess up. You know, if they got the wrong count in, okay, well, they made a mistake 
I should forgive myself. They're not perfect. Why am I expecting myself to be perfect? So it gives them that human um, appeal, that relatability that as someone taking the class, you feel better about. So I would like to think that, you know, I would forgive myself those little bit of mistakes and just work on it the next time or even have that fun, you know, find out what my little signature is like Rebecca's Chinese okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and have that fun. And that means something to those who take whatever lesson from me at that moment is. Mm -hmm. Um, It gives it that more personal and that own story. Another great example with Rebecca was the um, gimme gimme at the end going, Mm huh. You know, that's something that we got to experience in that lesson. Whether she does it with every single lesson, I have no idea. But it's something that is a lot of fun that as an instructor, like if I was to take that dance and then teach it to somebody else, I might not include that because that's just a special something that I got to experience with her and the other people taking her lesson at that point. Um, But I might implement something of my own. You know, to make it special for the particular class I'm teaching. Um, when it comes to teaching, for me, I put a lot of pressure on knowing what I'm doing and making it come across with that confidence and that we're going to have fun. This is going to be fun. You're going to love this. Because I've had too many firsthand experiences of taking the lesson and it not being well organized, but not it feeling like work. Well, you know, you're not having a blast. What is going on? The whole point of this is to have fun. Um, you know, and so I know that as an instructor, that is something I want to emulate, something I want to get across to other people. So, how I do that. You know, again, I come down to practice and asking for feedback. Mm. Like, we're so conditioned by society not to look weak in front of other people. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is one, you're not able to grow that way. And two, You miss out on so many things because you're afraid to ask for help. I mean, think about it. Think if you're trying to teach a dance and you're struggling and you have the option of talking to Guyton or Roy and be like, hey, I'm struggling on this one part. What do you do? I mean, how cool would that be to have just that conversation because you got past the I'm struggling and admitting that? Because the other thing is they're human too. They started where we started in some form of capacity, i.e. as a beginner, as someone who's unfamiliar with how to do something. They had to get good somehow. And if they have, I'll use air quotes here, the secret to success, the one thing I've learned about this community is they will scream it from the rooftops if you are willing to listen. Because this community is so welcoming and so forgiving and so accepting and so loving 
that they love us for our flaws because that is what makes us who we are. And so to forgive ourselves those same flaws is one, an amazing life lesson, but two, it's only going to be able to build us up as dancers, instructors, and choreographers. Because then one day, in theory, we will be at that level. And then we can pass on our knowledge to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good point. Like, looking at the place where they are, not as something that's for them, but the place where they... And I think this might have come up in a, a previous episode as well. Um, it's where they are best able to serve the most people. Because that's the kind of mindset that the people who are there have. It's not that they are trying to do all these right things so that they can get to their throne and just sit there and everyone's going to love them forever for this dance that they created some, I don't know, however many years ago and that's why they're there so that they can just kind of bask in that. Like, that that's not really what puts people in those spots on the marquee from what I can see. It's, it's when they are the humble, fun, generous sorts that people want them at their event. Right. They say, you know, please, please come just be here. Do anything here. We'll create a position for you. And, um, and then other people see that that person's there. Like, having Pedro as the ambassador in uh, the 2015 Biggest Dance Explosion, like, I'm sure that there were people who just saw that he was going to be there and thought, like, well, I'm flying out now. Like, right. I haven't seen Pedro in how long? Like, being just that good charactered person is is what gets them into a position where they can affect the most people and then that builds on itself. Exactly. Um, The other thing to consider too is at this point is although there's much more we want to delve into because there's so many facets of this and I most certainly am the I want my fingers in each and individual pie I possibly can. I love the idea of cross-training. I love the idea of having as much knowledge as I can absorb of how from A to Z something happens because I feel like, one, I can better contribute that way, but two, I can also get more out of it that way. And so having all of this knowledge or whatever is to remember that we have our place... And at that specific time, it's wherever we are. Yep. So, although this last Vegas was my first, that was my place at the time. That was where I was supposed to be. I'm supposed to have met all these amazing people. I was supposed to have the experiences I did to then fuel me for my next step. Um, you had mentioned how, like, with Pedro, like, people were flying, you know, like, you're sure people flew out just for him. Well, that's what we're doing. We're flying out, you know, we're... Rachel's in Oregon. Let's go to Oregon. Oh, Rachel's at Big Bang, too. Let's go to Big Bang. Yeah, exactly. It's the, um, Amy and Joe will be in Palm Springs. Yep. Rachel will be at Big Bang. You know, Rachel and Fred are going to be here, and, you know... I'm even considering going to the one in Canada where I think they have Roy coming out. And I think Joey's oh, going to be there too. Like, oh, that would be amazing. And this is just like, I mean, dances can be learned from videos or step sheets, but like to be with those people 
is like huge. Like I would love to just have a few days to hang out with some of them. Well, and that's, and that was exactly it for me in Vegas. Like it's so cool to know that these people put these dances together and these people teach and everything like that. Like they have that star power I use very loosely. Air quotes. Um, yes. But ultimately why I get so excited about the fact that Joe and Amy are going to be at Palm Springs is because I want to talk to them. Mm -hmm. I want to hang out with them. I want to eat lunch with them again. I want to talk more about not only dance stuff, but their lives. Like I've had such amazing experiences and conversations that have absolutely nothing to do with dance with these people. I mean, I talked about food with both, um, Madison and with um, Rebecca. You know, it's like that has nothing to do with dance unless you're looking at the fact that food fuels you. But, you know, it's just finding out different things about them. And then also using their experiences to better myself as well. But it's because they're so warm and welcoming and humble and just genuine, good-hearted people that makes me forget about whatever amount dollar is on this ticket on this plane trip and this hotel and this gas and whatever food I'm going to have to eat down there just so that I can be with them. And yes, you add in all the extra stuff about who they are as a choreographer and an instructor and all of that. It's just icing on the cake. And that's where it really comes down to the person they are is why we respect them and look up to them so much. So what are we doing that's right right now as the people we are that maybe can get us to a spot similar to that for somebody else? Because obviously, yes, there's a very personal and selfish reason as to why we want to be doing all of this because it's going to make us happy because it's going to make us have fun it's going to you know it is the next step why would we limit ourselves but also for me I like the idea that maybe someday I will have learned something that then I can reciprocate the kindness that was shown to me to somebody else and pay it forward like Elliot has mentioned um, that his videos, uh, Elliot Marr of Southern California, um, whose uh, YouTube channel is Dream On Dance on YouTube, his videos have inspired people to learn more about line dance because they see him as not some unknown choreographer from whatever continent, but he's just another guy like them, dressed in street clothes and Having who goes fun. to the same bars. You know, like, he's just doing stuff in his garage or, where you know, Happy Dance Fitness Studio. like, um, And he has been able to inspire others to learn harder dances because if he was able to learn them when he was a beginner not that long ago, then, you know, they can do it too. And he can put it in terms that they would understand really easily. And he can get, you know, just kind of casual about it um, in, in a way that's not so, like, do it this way, do it step sheet or else. I will find you, and I will tell you not to dance anymore. Like, um, and that, that I, I think, like, from what I've talked with him about and what he's put in videos, uh, like, that is really, like, 
when you look at like means to an end versus the end itself, like teaching and helping people feel confident in themselves is the end in itself for him. Like he, he doesn't need to be some millionaire riding around in yachts or whatever. Like as he, cool as that would be. As cool as that would be. <laughs> Blind dancing, like on the the top deck. Um, like he just wants to teach and you know, help people discover like parts of themselves that maybe they didn't believe they could uh, they could express. Yeah. And now he has so many opportunities to do that at the places that he teaches throughout Southern California. And the more he keeps at it and the more that people like his style of just kind of keeping it loose and fun, mm-hmm. that's going to naturally lead to people offering him, whether he chooses to accept them or not, more opportunities to reach more people. Like, hey, teaching at Stagecoach, which he did last year. Right. And he was totally you know, well-suited for it. I'm sure he put a lot of thought into it and practice and all that um, so that he would feel confident in front of all those people. Um but, like, that seemed like a natural place for him to share more of what he is capable of sharing. Not because it was all for him, look at me, spotlights on this guy, but because people want to learn, and he's a really great resource for teaching. Yeah. So, perfect fit. Exactly. So, that's where, you know, we understand that people have certain natural instincts, and people have a in my opinion like their own personal path in whatever contribution they may make to the line dance community but that's also where the act as if comes in because you have to forgive yourself that's the biggest thing is you have to remember the people that you want to emulate, the people that you are, you know, essentially idolizing and trying to understand how they became who they became so that you could potentially do something similar. You have to forgive yourself the mistakes you're going to make and take the risks. That's the biggest thing. And I know myself personally, it's really scary to take risks. It's really scary. And especially with how much line dance means to me. Like, I don't want to do something and it be like, oh, her, yeah, <laughs> that one. You know? But I have to remember that that's not what this community is. I've never felt that with this community, regardless of how many mistakes I've made or not this community is so welcoming and there's a lot of people that are willing to give the I guess the criticism that's not harsh I mean I'm sure there's people out there willing to just rip you apart because that there is that you can't have a good without the bad but so far in my experience I have not encountered anybody as such in the bigger world of line dancing and the other thing is if for some reason you do come across those individuals you don't have to show them your stuff True. you can go to someone you trust to give you honest and you know constructive feedback as we get 
a little bit closer to our destination. There were a few things I wanted to be sure to get out. Uh, one of them you mentioned earlier, um, learning from Joe to you know move with the space, and uh, that would be another thing potentially to think about in the whole choreography process. Is even without worrying about what are my feet doing, what am I hitting? Uh, there's just what is my where is my body going like. Um, where does it want to go? Where does it feel like it should be facing? And then what's happening now in the music so that I want it to turn away or th- something like that? Mm-hmm. So that would be something to kind of let yourself, let your body do without, again, without worrying about feet or arms or anything, but just kind of moving with the music and feeling the energy of it, um, not feeling static. If, if there is a place in the, the song where you feel like you need to be still, let yourself be still. And if there are places where you want to just move in a straight line, feel how that feels, and then see if maybe you know you need a little bit more tension in your body because something's building up. So try just you know shaking back and forth. And later on, when you polish and add things, maybe you'll find that doing uh, you know side and cross, side and cross gets your body to do that side to side feeling that you you naturally felt when you weren't worried about your feet. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the things was uh, just kind of letting your seeing what your your body wants to do uh another big thing is fun which you mentioned numerous times and i can't believe it like didn't occur to me to say something uh sooner but in the choreography process just even even elliot's videos recently have reminded me of this like with his you know, the skip and then the look behind <laughs> and the video he recorded with alex like it looks like they're just having so much fun and i doubt that there would be many people out there saying yes I, I I remember creating this dance it's one of my favorites because the entire time I was stressed out and I was worried that people weren't going to do it and I thought oh man that's going to make me look like a terrible choreographer so nobody's doing my dance and and then I really wrinkled my brows and I stamped my feet and then I created it and then and then I did it for the next several months and that's why I love it so much right like they're probably going to tell you a story about um, you know how they got together with you know, two of their friends who had, they hadn't seen in a while in some hotel hallway at one of the events, and they had had some drinks. It was the end of the night, and somebody did something like, "Oh, we're keeping that," and you know, it just kind of came together. And now they have whether anybody does it or not, whether it ever leaves that hallway, it's a fun memory that they have with their friends, and that's all it ever has to be. Like taking the stress out of the choreography process, not worrying about the product, and just having enjoyment having a movement experience with your body and the music that can be enough you know if you ever want to put it on paper if you want to record the process on video that's fine i mean if you want to share it with others I, that's totally understandable but if you don't want to share it that's also okay yeah. you can just do it for the sake of having done it and then never revisit it and uh, oh, let me reclip you here as we further approach our destination pardon Pardon the noise for anybody who's hearing a lot of rustling and ruffling. All right. Uh, so those were two of them. Uh, let's see. There was another one about... Oh, yes. Uh, the concept of the light touch. Um, and that's sort of... Uh, there are two metaphors here. There's one um, which was that in sort of a how to govern your life sense... Um, there's an idea, it was from a book I read that's like Shambhala, The Way of the Enlightened Warrior, The Path of the Enlightened Warrior, something like that, um, 
where they talk about how when you're normally just doing whatever it is in your life, you have all these stresses and all these problems, then you decide, okay, well, I'm going to have good habits and correct habits and the best habits. And then you do all those things that you think are good and correct and the best. And then you stress out about those because you take them so seriously that if you ever make a mistake in what you were trying to do, you kick yourself and tell yourself, well, I'm totally you know, failing at this. Why am I bothering to do this? Uh, I'm no better off than I was before, before I started trying. And the people who do succeed at you know, making long-term successful life changes, they try. You know, they have a general idea of what they want to do. But they have a sense of humor about it too. If they do accidentally, you know, curse or whatever when they were trying not to, they'll say, oh, whoops, you know, that's, that was silly. That just kind of blurted right out. And then they'll move on. They'll just let themselves, they'll have that forgiveness experience that you mentioned. You know, they have the moment of, of saying this, this is going to, you know, let me just reset to where I want to be and let's go forward from here. And if you do that in the choreography process as well, or, you know, any of your processes, your teaching, teaching process, uh, just having that little sense of humor and moving on, then, you know, the, the fun is what will get you to the end of the 32 counts you're trying to put together. And also along the lines of acceptance is the metaphor of, um, this might like, if you're, if you're trying to, uh, do something you you were mentioning like this is where we need to be in life this is this is uh the exact appropriate spot that we're supposed to be at there are dances that can be like that too where you know that there are some parts of a song where it hits and it does all this crazy stuff like larger than life for example Mm -hmm. and you really want to do those parts maybe and at some point the tag hits and you're just standing there moving your arms and that is just right for where it is in the song. The big, explosive, kicky, stompy stuff, that's just right for where that is in the song. And it's okay for it not all to be big and explosive and not all slow and methodical. Everything happens at its right time. So mm-hmm. if you look at your life and whatever part you're in uh, as being right you can or not right, just kind of treat it like, well, that's okay. This is the tag. We're just waiting for it to really kick back in. And then, then that'll be the right time for that to happen. And then, you know, I'll probably get tired of that. You know, it's, it's going to be really exhausting to be go, go, go all the time. Maybe it'll be a nice time to transition back into, you know, some walking steps and, and that'll be okay when that happens too. So since we've, we're now parked here in the lot outside Stoney's Rock and Rodeo, do you have any any final thoughts about acting as if, um, in the sense of being a choreographer or an instructor who is good at what, you know, competent and feels great about what they do. And also, uh, do you have clearer ideas about what it would be like if that were easy? Um, it's a little bit tricky. I think the conversation itself has made me remember that those people that make it look so effortless had to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so it allows me a little bit more leeway. Mm -hmm. So that relieves a pressure that comes along with both choreography and instructing that I think I started focusing a little bit too much on. Mm. Like, 
it's that I'm gonna get it right the first time and that's typically not how that happens mm-hmm. um, and then just figuring out I mean that's one of the reasons why I take so many different lessons from so many different instructors is to see what works for them and to see what works to then go okay well if I'm acting as if the best thing I can do is essentially copy what works for somebody else until I figure out whether or not it works for me. And if it works for me, then great. And if it doesn't, then find something new, find something else. There's so many different options out there of how to do something and how to see something. Um, last but not least is practice. Like that's, that's going to be the thing is, you know, I, I have to remind myself that it is going to take time. It is going to take work for it to become a habit, for, for it to become second nature. It's not... As much as I hate saying this, but it's a phrase that I have spent several years listening to, and it's a martial art term, which is the don't fear the thousand kicks you've done on that the person's done only once fear the one kick they've done a thousand times mm-hmm. um it's that same concept it's the yes i can practice a whole bunch of different ways of doing it but it's not going to become second nature or habit overnight mm-hmm. it's gonna take work it's gonna take time and i'm gonna trip along the way so giving myself that forgiveness and leeway allows me more chances of acting as if I know what I'm doing with more confidence Hmm. in a very weird way. (laughs) Um, As for whether or not it's easy, I'm positive that even the most experienced choreographers struggle and we just only ever see the final product. It's very rare that, you know, we see the in progress for Joe or Rachel or Guyton or Ray, Ray, Roy, that... Actually, there is a Ray. There's it, Raymond yeah, Sideline. There is Raymond. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's... And we don't... When we go to these events... Um, it might be their first lesson in teaching, but chances are they've spent time practicing, really knowing inside and out, you know, what works. And they've had that, I'm sure, I mean, Rachel's been teaching since, what, 14, 15? Something like that? Pretty darn young. So, obviously, she's probably had her oops and her fumbles and her, like, I can't, for some reason I forgot that this was a sailor step here and all that came out was step. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure she has had those moments. And even with being as talented and professional as she is and experiences it, I'm sure she'll have a few more of them, you know. Every once in a while you get tongue-tied. So I'm sure it happens. We just don't normally see them. So it's that they're human I'm human, and yeah, I mean, with practice, it'll it will be easy. Mm-hmm. 
a thought that uh, that came to mind that kind of wraps up both of those uh, for me is something actually that I was talking about with uh, my grandma, like how we make choices out of either love or fear. And if, for let's say we're looking at the choreography side, if you're choreographing out of fear, like you need to stay relevant, you need to get on the charts, you need to get that dance out before anybody else makes one to that song, then yeah, you're probably not going to be very happy, you're going to be stressed out, and you just generally won't have what you would consider to be a successful experience. Whereas if you are focusing on the love aspect of it, you love the song, you love the feeling of your body in motion, um, you love everybody that you will get to share this with, and you hope that they will enjoy it as much as you do, if you're focusing, if you're keeping your, in, your positive intent in line, um, then I think that'll get you through the process uh, and w- without making it feel like it's a process. It'll just kind of unfold because that's how love does. You know, it just kind of rolls. And that works for instruction as well because if you're, if you're teaching out of fear, thinking I need to say the right things, I need to do the right things, I need to stand the right way, uh, or else I, I won't get invited back to this event and my students will all deny that they are my students, like all these things that could happen, then again, you're not going to have a great instruction experience. You're going to dread the next time you go up there. Mm-hmm. And maybe you won't even want to do the next event because it was so you know, uh, hairy to making for you uh, to do that. Whereas if you remember the love part of it and you're teaching out of uh, just generosity to your people and you're making jokes because you know, that puts them at ease. It's not about, do they think I'm funny? It's, you know, will this... You know, make them laugh. Do we feel comfortable around enough each other, uh, enough around each other for me to say this? And good, we're we're all laughing. We're all on the same page. Let's let's move on. Um, that love and that positive intent will make the right words come out and the right translations of steps come out just naturally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then one last thing that kind of just popped up was this kind of also relates to uh, exactly what Joe was saying with. Uh, the, the technique workshop of um, if you are moving just from your feet trying to focus on technically the correct things to do that's okay maybe that's how we start out with our choreography with our instruction just mimicry of like what we think is um, the externally correct thing to do we then move up to our core and we think where does the body want to go what is guiding us from our our chest and that might be focusing on the love and where where do we what's the point of me choreographing is it to share or is it to feed my ego ditto for instruction um, and then even beyond that you can look at as she was saying like the space around you not just you but moving with the space around you in instruction that might be feeling the the level of the room not just i need to make a joke because i think that will maybe make everybody happy and and you know help us get on the the same page together but but really tuning in who is sitting down right now who looks like they're kicking the dirt you know right now who's who's having a really tough time how can i communicate with that person without making it seem like i'm singling them out feeling the whole room moving together in that lesson. Mm-hmm. Choreography-wise, same thing. And not just what do I want to do that feels great for me. If that's, I mean, if that's what you want to create, that's fine. I mean, there, that's totally legitimate to create art, art that's just to feed yourself. But then 
there's also that sense of like what Rachel was talking about, knowing her class. What would feel good for this dancer in my class? Uh, what should I throw in that'll really like tickle this person who loves when this happens in a dance? And stretching your mind out to the space around you, the dancers around you, the dance community all around the world around you. Mm-hmm. Um, having having that kind of go up, up through the tree from learning your technique, getting prepared, knowing all the correct bits, uh, just you know, technically speaking, and then seeing also what, what is your personal intent? What are you hoping to achieve? Um, why do you want to share this? And then tuning in with everything around you, the space around you, so that you can really get that deep feedback of are we all feeling this this feeling that I think is most appropriate for us to be feeling right now? And just kind of rolling with that, seeing how the the group and you bounce back and forth. Yeah. That's what it would be like if you acted as if you were on the ball. That's how it would feel if if you had to imagine what it would be like if it were easy. It would just kind of unfold in those ways. Whew. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, here we are at Stoney's Rock and Rodeo parking lot. And uh, we are going to get our dance on. Thank you all for tuning in for this long and listening to our our thoughts as they unfolded. Yeah. We will... We will see you next time.